1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. With a 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, you can enjoy uninterrupted
2: ad-free episodes of all your favorite 48 Hours podcasts. For just $2.99 a month, subscribe today.
3: It is an enduring mystery of our generation. On the Army post of Fort Bragg, North Carolina, some bizarre murders took place last night. That night comes into my thinking
4: all the time. It was a very traumatic night. What I remember are are very brief snapshots. I, I remember first awakening on the couch and hearing my wife, and I could hear her screaming for help. I remember after this this fight with the assailants, I remember coming to on the floor in the hallway. And I walked down the hallway towards the master bedroom where I found my wife, and she was very brutally murdered. I can remember going to each of my daughters and trying to resuscitate them. Those are the things I remember.
5: This was the, such a brutal crime scene that, that it, it defied imagination. And it certainly defied imagination that a father of these people could have done it. There was no other killer in that house but Jeffrey McDonald He
6: knows it and I know it.
4: I saw four people. I saw three males at one time. And I had glimpses of what had to be a female. I know what happened that night, and I'm not guilty. This is a great
2: tragedy for our legal system.
6: Dr. Jeffrey McDonald's wife and two children were murdered nine years ago. Today, a jury convicted him of the crime.
2: I was deeply disappointed at their their verdict.
6: How could the jury have
2: done this?
4: How could they have done this? I believe that I've been falsely accused and falsely imprisoned.
2: We died in that trial from starvation of
4: fairness.
7: There's so much evidence that was suppressed at the trial by the government. My
2: opinion is that uh, Dr. McDonald was framed.
4: I believe that the truth has a way of finally coming to the surface. You think
2: you found the answers to this case? Oh, I definitely found
4: the answers to this case. Well, my hopes are to uh, be legally vindicated, walk out of prison a free man. Jeffrey
5: McDonald, time for truth.
0: A sense of safety is important to everyone, and that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com/48hours. That's simplysafe.com/48hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
8: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
0: Grill,
9: patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all
6: in. Oh, burger time.
9: So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
6: I could stay here forever.
9: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Put about a
10: thousand miles on the car every week.
8: Three times a week, this woman makes the 140-mile drive from her home outside of Washington, D.C. to visit an inmate at the Cumberland Federal Prison in Western Maryland.
10: There's no fun in doing this, but at the end of my journey, I can like let out a sigh of relief. When I see his face, I, I just feel better inside.
8: Her name is Catherine, and she's the newest woman in Jeffrey McDonald's life. Catherine is my wife. Um, She's the most remarkable person I've ever met. They were married in 2002, in prison, 23 years after McDonald was found guilty of the murders of his first wife and two children.
4: I think had anyone asked me, would you get married in prison, I would have said definitively and loudly, no, uh, of course not. Um, And yet, we did get married.
10: He's just so warm and... He's so kind and so smart, and that love of life, I think that's something that I really gravitated to. He still has it, even though he's been in prison all these years.
0: But I do know who I am and what I believe. Good. And there you
8: Catherine McDonald right. makes her living running a small school for aspiring young actors.
0: This, I believe, is
10: Jeff's first aid kit from when he was in the Army.
8: But she has another job as well.
10: Everything is just... Just right here, just like it was yesterday, but it's like a lifetime ago.
8: She's caretaker of the life Jeffrey McDonald left behind.
10: And this is our garage, which uh, I can't park the car in because this is a very big part of our lives at the moment.
8: She was instantly fascinated when she first read McDonald's story.
10: Just massive work by just dozens and dozens of people over the years.
8: The more she read, the more convinced she was of his innocence. Eventually she decided to write him in prison. We just became very close, very
4: quickly. She began visiting, and uh, we began, you know, looking back into the past and looking forward into the future.
8: A future which, because of federal prison rules, has yet to include a honeymoon. It's an interesting picture.
10: I love this one. This shows my husband's uh, gallant side.
8: People are fascinated by women who reach out to men in prison You're one of those women. Is there something about you that had you go that direction in your life?
10: No, I think it's something about him, and that's that he doesn't belong there. He's innocent.
8: Innocent or guilty, a quarter century in prison is an incredible waste for someone whose future was as bright as Jeffrey McDonald's. He made his mark early on. In high school, he was voted most likely to succeed. He went on to Princeton University and Northwestern Medical School, and then, at the age of 25, earned a captain's commission as a doctor in the Army's elite Green Berets. What I demand of myself is to do the best I can. Along the way, McDonald managed to capture the heart of his high school girlfriend, Colette Stevenson. They were married while he was still in college at Princeton. You were married at what age? I was very young, it was 1963. Over the next seven years as their family grew, it appears that the McDonald's were well on their way to a seemingly perfect life. But in America, things were far from perfect. The year was 1970. This was an era of shock and counterculture rage in America. Bernard Siegel, now a law professor in San Francisco,
2: I am delighted to see so many
8: of you here, was at the time Jeffrey McDonald's defense attorney. I was a lawyer for
2: people who felt they were not represented by the system and who were outside the system.
8: But in 1970, Jeffrey McDonald was, in fact, deep inside the system. Jeffrey, Colette, and their daughters Kimberly, age five, and Kristen, age two, were stationed here, Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, North Carolina.
4: The time at Fort Bragg was actually our best time. It was the first time we had finances and could, p- could pay our own way, so to speak.
8: It's easy to believe from these home movies taken on Christmas morning, two months before the murders. That the McDonald family didn't seem to have a care in the world, but at 3:33 a.m., February 17, 1970, all of that changed forever. What happened in the McDonald home that night is one of America's most enduring murder mysteries. The subject of a best-selling book, a sensational TV movie. A mystery story kept alive by its charismatic leading man, Dr. Jeffrey McDonald. To help tell the story, we've recreated the McDonald apartment here in our studio. That's because the building no longer exists in this form, and unless you can see exactly where things were laid out that night in the morning after, you may not be able to decide for yourself exactly what happened. And so, our story begins as Army MPs responding to a call for help arrive here and find McDonald's two young children dead in their bedrooms back there. And Captain McDonald himself, wounded and unconscious, here, on the floor, beside the body of his dead wife. I realized someone
4: was breathing in my mouth and I opened my eyes and I could see a ring of military police helmets circling me.
8: You're taken away to the hospital.
4: Yes. They they finally brought in a doctor who I knew on the staff, and he is the one, I believe, who told me that Colette, Kim, and Chris were dead.
8: And uh, like it was, you, you can't accept something like that. It doesn't make any sense. In fact, that morning, McDonald wasn't the only one having trouble making sense of what happened. My gut told me that what he told the military police could not possibly have happened in that house. Bill Ivory was in charge of the investigation to determine exactly what did happen to the McDonald family.
11: I was a CID agent, which is the criminal investigator for the Department of the Army. We sent agents to interview him at the hospital. They had been told that he had been attacked by some hippies.
8: It's a story that Jeffrey McDonald has not wavered from in 37 years. These really monstrous crimes were not committed by myself. What do you remember about the people you say attacked you? I saw four people.
4: I saw two white males and one black male as they were assaulting me. One glimpse I saw what looked like a blonde female, and she had a floppy hat on. And there was a light under her face. To this day, I don't know if she was holding a candle or it was a light. I heard A female voice say acid is groovy kill the pigs
8: acid is groovy kill the pigs yes
4: this was all happening simultaneously I I was being hit there became a moment in time where all I was doing was fending off blows with both my hands wrapped up in my pajama top I suddenly had a chest pain the right side of my chest hurt Jeff McDonald was stabbed right
2: in the center of his chest with an ice pick puncturing his, his skin, puncturing
4: the layers below. I required two surgical procedures to reinflate my right lung. I had some stab wounds and I had some blunt head trauma.
8: But the attack on his family was considerably more vicious as revealed by their autopsies. Colette suffered two broken arms, a fractured skull, and was stabbed more than 30 times. Five-year-old Kimberly's skull, jaw, and nose were badly broken, and her throat was severely cut. And Kristen, just two-and-a-half, was stabbed repeatedly in her chest and back. The autopsy also revealed one last devastating detail. Colette was five-and-a-half months pregnant with a son.
4: One minute you're happily married, you're living in a secure army post, you're a Green Beret physician. And the next minute your family's dead and you're in a hospital, it doesn't
8: make any sense. That's McDonald's version of what happened that night, and he tells a very compelling story. I had a five-year-old and a two-year-old, both
4: unbelievably beautiful girls.
10: He's not a criminal. If I thought otherwise, I wouldn't be involved at all and much less devote my entire life.
8: And with that kind of support, Jeffrey McDonald did something he swore he would never do. In 2005, he applied for parole. It's possible they might
4: consider the full record of my conduct, my behavior, my personality, how I've carried myself through 25 years of imprisonment. Look at that in conjunction with my record as a civilian.
8: But there are others who feel that Jeffrey McDonald is right where he belongs. You're not buying it. No, I'm not buying it.
6: All psychopaths, as I've said, are con artists, and he's one of the best.
8: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
9: Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that, unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh,
6: burger time.
9: So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
6: I could stay here forever.
9: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
4: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way?
8: What's the first thing you saw?
11: First thing I saw was uh, the body of Colette McDonald.
8: It's been more than three decades since Army criminal investigator Bill Ivory first set foot inside the home of Jeffrey McDonald. I saw a weapon over to the side in position of her body. But the memories of that morning are still fresh. On the headboard of the bed, word pig was written in blood. Jeffrey McDonald had told investigators that these brutal murders were committed by hippies who had broken into his house, a story that in today's world seems a little tough to swallow. The intruders are generally described as hippie-type individuals. Peter Kearns, an Army investigator from Washington, D.C., led a follow-up investigation into the McDonald case, which included producing and starring in this
6: filmed presentation of the evidence. A lot of G.I.s were using drugs in and he had a job where he counseled them. If you were a physician, an army physician, you were
8: under orders to turn in drug abusing patients. So did you think that maybe this was somebody that I turned in? Sure. But the more closely investigators examined the apartment, the more closely they began to question McDonald's claims. There was no sign of any monumental struggle with him and three or four other people. Crime scene investigators will tell you the real truth is always found in the evidence. And the evidence that Bill Ivory and his team found in this apartment, they say, tells a story very different than McDonald's. A story that points not to a group of hippies, but to a husband enraged. What do you believe really happened in that house? The theory that
11: we come up with was that There was an argument. Something started in the master bedroom. He may have hit her first, or she may have
8: hit him first. A dull kitchen knife was found near Colette's body, but this was not what was used to kill the McDonald family. It was out there, through the back door, that investigators found what they believe were the three murder weapons. An ice pick, a paring knife, and a 31-inch length of building lumber this murder weapon was at one
6: time a part of a bed slat on kimberly's bed it was about a two by two that was finally grabbed on and he started swinging he just lost all control we believe also the older girl
11: was in the bedroom with them and got in the middle of the fight between them he
6: swatted back and hit her on the side of the head and dropped her to the floor. We know this because there is a large amount of her blood right at the entrance to the master bedroom. Because each member of the McDonald family
8: had a different blood type, investigators were able to follow the blood evidence like a trail of breadcrumbs left by the victims. He went and took the, the bedding
11: off of that bed in the master bedroom and I believe he wrapped the older girl in that getting blood on him from her, and getting her blood on that sheet.
8: The trail led them from the master bedroom back here to Kimberly's room, where investigators say McDonald placed his daughter's body
6: back in her own bed. While he's doing that, his wife regains consciousness and goes to the baby's room and lays across her on the bed, obviously in an attempt to protect her. And he followed her into that room. He began beating her more there with
11: the club. That's evidenced by blood sprays that were on the the wall and on
8: the ceiling. What the investigators say happened next is what truly makes Jeffrey McDonald a monster in their eyes. They say after he killed his wife, Colette and his daughter, Kimberly, he came back in here and stood to face his youngest daughter, Kristen, who was still in her bed then he killed her. And the only reason in the world that he killed
11: her was because she was a witness. And she was old enough she could say, I saw Daddy hitting Mommy.
8: They say with his entire family now dead, in order to be believed, McDonald decided he had no choice but to include
6: himself in the attack. So he goes in and he puts a stab wound into his abdomen, collapsing a lung, which he knows how to do. Because he's a doctor? Sure.
8: Now, a victim himself, investigators say McDonald then went about setting a stage to fit his story of an attack by drug-crazed hippies, a story they discovered McDonald may have borrowed from some very recent history.
11: You see the beginning of the E.S. on the Esquire magazine, and it had uh, articles in there about the Tate-LaBianca murders. The Manson killings? Yes.
8: In the summer of 1969, just six months earlier, the nation was stunned by a series of brutal homicides in Southern California, senseless crimes carried out by the cult-like followers of Charles Manson. This issue of Esquire magazine contained a detailed account of the murders. Investigators also found a finger smudge in blood along the edge of the magazine. While it could not be positively linked to McDonald, it worked with Ivory's theory of the crime. Do you think he went and looked up that information after he committed the crimes? Yes, I believe so, to get his story straight. Bill Ivory and his team's interpretation of the evidence pointed them to just one suspect.
3: The army has charged green beret Dr. Jeffrey McDonald with the murders of his pregnant wife and their two young daughters at Fort Bragg North Carolina last
4: night. I was in the house that night. I know what happened. To me it was inconceivable that anyone anyone could buy this hypothetical scenario.
8: In fact, McDonald was right. After a three-month military hearing, the Army's official position was that, despite the significant efforts of their own investigators, there was not enough evidence to court-martial Jeffrey McDonald.
11: I was shocked because I knew that there was enough evidence to put reasonable suspicion in anybody's mind that perhaps this guy had done that.
8: Did you figure
4: it's over? Sure. Wouldn't any normal human being think it was over?
8: Shortly thereafter, I received an honorable discharge. While the Army seemed to be done with Jeffrey McDonald, the investigators still had no doubt as to who committed
6: these crimes. He's 100% guilty. There's no mystery to me. He knows he did it, I know he did it.
8: But until they could prove it in a court of law, Dr. Jeffrey McDonald would remain a free
5: man.
2: When I first came to represent Dr. McDonald, I wondered to myself,
8: is it possible that he murdered his family? It's the one question that has always haunted this case and everyone involved in it. Was Jeffrey McDonald capable of these brutal murders? I assumed that anyone who could
2: kill his little children was not going to be an ordinary human being. And when you met him, what
8: did you find? A remarkably appealing, likable young man. Bernie Siegel defended McDonald when the Army tried and failed to indict him due to a lack of evidence.
2: He was now a man who had no family, who wanted to try and start his life
8: over again. And Jeffrey McDonald did just that. He headed west to Southern California.
4: I had good days in California, I worked hard. I played hard. We'll need lab here for barb level and a CBC and a 660.
8: McDonald found a new career in emergency room medicine and a new lifestyle, which included all the spoils of success. With the Army's case dropped, Dr. Jeffrey McDonald might have simply faded from view. But McDonald himself couldn't seem to let it go. Apparently enjoying his newfound celebrity, McDonald continued to try his own case in the court of public opinion.
2: My next guest is Dr. Jeffrey McDonald.
8: On December 15, 1970, McDonald appeared on the popular late-night program, The Dick Cavett Show. I hope this isn't too painful for you. Uh, Where it became very clear McDonald was fast becoming his own worst enemy.
4: My wife came home and we had a uh, before-bedtime drink, really, and uh, watched the beginning of a late-night talk show.
2: He knew how to do it, as we say in the talk show trade. He knew how to handle himself.
8: Dick Cavett remembers well the night he was face to face with McDonald.
2: His affect is wrong, totally wrong. My affect was, uh, gee, the find your wife and kids murdered. And even his answer to that was something like, hey, yeah, and not that something? almost sound like
4: Bob Hope? Very like Bob Hope. There were people in the army who wanted a court-martial regardless of any evidence i was angry you were very critical in fact of the army i'm sure i was where are these investigators now who did the uh, original well most of them have been transferred it's it's the army way of handling things if someone really fouls up you either give them a
8: medal or you transfer them Uh uh... watching the show that night colette's family was extremely disturbed by mcdonald's appearance colette's older brother robert stevenson
5: All he spoke about was how his rights had been violated. I don't think he once mentioned about, let's get the murderers, my family's been killed, but I remember him grinning like a Cheshire cat.
8: Colette McDonald's stepfather, Freddie Kassab, who had at first sided with McDonald in his defense, was so incensed at his son-in-law's behavior that it became the seed of an obsession to bring him to justice.
6: When I was faced with the evidence, put together with what I knew, what he had told me, nothing fit, absolutely nothing fit.
5: He sat around a table that I still have at home where you can see the elbow marks as he smoked pack after pack of cigarettes, trying to decide how this happened, drawing the diagrams, plotting it with the X's where the bodies were, the differing blood types. His whole story of
6: what happened in that house is a lie.
5: If there was no Freddie
6: Kassab to raise hell, he'd got away with it.
8: Realizing the government had no plans to indict Jeffrey McDonald, Kassab joined forces with Army investigator Peter Kearns, and together they took matters
6: into their own hands. It wasn't until Freddie and I went from New York down to Clinton, North Carolina, to swear out a citizen's arrest, that's when the federal government got off their dumb to go and, and get a, get an indictment in a grand jury on
8: January 24, 1975, Jeffrey McDonald was arrested once again this time by the federal government
3: had Jeff gone away to a small desert island and never been heard from again the government wouldn't have brought him to trial
8: Wade Smith, one of the top trial lawyers in North Carolina, was chosen to partner with Bernard Siegel.
3: Their defense
8: strategy was a simple one.
3: Is it possible for a person to live a good life and all of a sudden, in one moment, slaughter and mutilate his children, stab his wife many, many times, and then live out his life and have nothing like that happen again? And it suggests to me a reasonable doubt about whether he did it in the first place.
2: My God, I may be representing an innocent man.
13: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details.
1: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive the hatchback that took you cross-country and back, and the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy.
8: When his trial finally began on July 16th, 1979, Dr. Jeffrey McDonald had little doubt what the outcome would be. I'm not going to be found guilty. During the next six and a half weeks, 60 witnesses testified. Hundreds of items were placed into evidence. And three verdicts were read. When you heard those words, guilty, 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 what did you think? I couldn't believe it. Almost a decade after the murders of Colette, Kimberly, and Kristen McDonald, the United States government was satisfied that justice was finally served.
6: The sentence and the decision of the jury, we feel vindicates us completely. Mr. Jim Blackburn.
8: And he called
14: me one day and he said, Jim, we've got this case we want you to help us try.
8: Former Federal Assistant DA Jim Blackburn is still asked to talk about the most important trial of his career.
14: And the Justice Department thinks we're gonna probably lose the case. That's why they've asked me to ask you
8: What made you think that you could win this case when the Army had said, he's innocent? We didn't think we would win this case. I thought it would be almost impossible. But Blackburn and his co-counsel, Brian Murtaugh, achieved the impossible, convincing the jury that there was no one in that apartment that morning except Jeffrey McDonald. He told a story
14: of the hippie intruders. Total fabrication. It is totally contradicted by the physical evidence.
8: And since all the evidence was found in the McDonald home, the prosecution brought the jury here to the crime scene, which, nine years later, remained untouched, to see for themselves. The strength of our case always was very simple. The physical evidence, the scientific evidence, his statements, that was our case. It was a considerable amount of information that seemed to be overwhelming the jury. Then, the prosecution did something with a piece of evidence that made every juror sit up and take notice. It had to do with the pajama top, just like this one, that McDonald was wearing that night. Remember, he says he was asleep here on the couch when he was attacked. During the struggle, he says, the pajama top was pulled over his head and that it somehow became entangled in his hands and that he held it up in front of him to fend off the deadly blows of the ice pick. But the prosecution maintained all along that the pajama top itself told a very different tale. You maintain that if Jeffrey McDonald were telling the truth, he'd be dead. And the pajama top would be shredded.
14: Yes. If you fold that pajama top, you will see that there are 48 non-tearing holes in that pajama top. There are 21 uh, ice pick holes in Colette's
8: chest that form a pattern. Blackburn and Murtaugh explained to the jury that this was clear proof that McDonald's story was a lie. That in fact, he covered his wife's body with the pajama top and then repeatedly stabbed her through it with the ice pick. It is beyond any rational
2: understanding of why this would be done by a killer. Why would McDonald do
8: it? For Bernie Siegel and Wade Smith, Time has done little to ease the frustration they encountered trying to defend McDonald, even with something as basic as a request to examine the evidence. The government's response is, Dr. McDonald
2: is not entitled to see this evidence now because he didn't ask for it in time.
14: I didn't know whether to cry or or to laugh. They say you weren't playing fair.
8: (laughs) Well, they lost at sour grapes. They just lost. Equally frustrating was what McDonald's team discovered when they focused on the investigation of the crime scene itself, which they still consider a model of incompetence. 27 different people
2: marched through the crime scene, destroying a great deal of what was potential
14: evidence there without a doubt. Was the crime scene destroyed? No. Was it bungled? No. Was it
8: done perfectly? Absolutely not. Regardless of the condition of the crime scene, the defense believed they had something that would clear McDonald once and for all. An eyewitness to the murders, the mysterious blonde woman in the floppy hat.
3: Perhaps the central figure to the story from the beginning of the case up to that moment. Her name was Helena Stokely, the daughter of a retired Fort
8: Bragg colonel and an unlikely savior for Jeffrey McDonald. Dr. McDonald should be free. Just 18 at the time of the McDonald murders, Stokely lived at the center of the Fayetteville drug community.
11: I lived on the street for 10 years.
8: Her story was astonishing, that she believed she was actually in the McDonald house that night. We had to struggle with the door. With a group of friends, all drug users, who killed the McDonalds.
11: I had a floppy hat that I used to wear all the time. I had on boots that night, and as a joke, I put on the blonde wig.
8: In fact, an MP, Ken Micah, testified that, while responding to McDonald's call for help, he saw someone fitting Stokely's description, standing on a corner not far from the McDonald residence.
3: Our dream was that, after five weeks in this trial, Helena would come. Helena would, at last, tell a story and she would tell it to a jury. But that's not what happened when she was called to the stand
14: by the defense. Her basic testimony was she didn't know where she was that night.
2: Just the four hour gap between midnight and 4 p.m. she claimed to have a lapse of memory. It's absurd. So she lied on the stand? She lied about whether she remembered what was going on, but she lied out of a defensive need to protect herself. She knew the government was looking at her.
8: I think that Dr. McDonald was framed. Following the trial, Ted Gunderson, former chief of the Los Angeles FBI office, was hired by McDonald's team to search for any evidence which could be used for an appeal.
11: People that were with me that night were members of the cult.
2: Alina said that she was there, she was chanting, acid is groovy, kill the pigs.
11: I chanted acid is groovy, kill the pigs.
8: Gunderson eventually convinced Stokely to go on the record, which she did in this 1982 60 Minutes film and I lit the candle. When she told you that story, did you believe
2: her? Yeah, you know why I believed her? Why? Because she said that she tried to ride the rocking horse in the small bedroom.
11: I went into another room, backed against a hobby horse.
2: And she tried to get on it, and she couldn't because the spring was broken.
11: And the spring was broken.
2: Why would that be significant? Because the only people that knew that spring was broken on the rocking horse was the family. The McDonald family.
8: But that may not be true. These photos, recently obtained by 48 Hours from the Department of Justice, seem to show that all of the springs on the toy horse were intact. Once again, the courts chose not to believe Helena Stokely, and McDonald's early appeals were denied. In 1983, at the age of 32, Stokely died of cirrhosis of the liver. But the question of her involvement in the McDonald murders is still very much alive. The bottom line is Helena Stokely
4: and some friends of hers, including her boyfriend, came into my house that night and murdered my family and left me unconscious.
8: And how do you know that she and her friends were the ones?
4: Because they said so. Because I saw them there. Because there is evidence tying them to
8: the crime scene. Evidence the defense didn't even know existed. Evidence that would give McDonald
4: Prison is difficult for everyone. Um, it's 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 very
8: difficult for the guilty, and it's very difficult for the innocent. Innocent. It's a word tossed around a lot behind prison walls, but for Jeffrey McDonald, it's the only word that ever mattered. My focus for all these years has been to um,
4: prove my factual innocence and, and walk out of prison with my head held up.
8: McDonald has desperately held on to that goal since 1979. But with a new wife and a new life waiting for him on the outside, McDonald is knocking on a different door to freedom, parole. I would never go before the parole board if it required any sort of
4: admission of guilt. They have assured me that is not the case.
10: He's not going to admit remorse for something he didn't do. I, I, I think it would be fair to say he's sorry that he couldn't save his family. I know he feels that way. But what's changed is that he's thinking of me, I'm out here waiting
7: he understands that if he does not admit his guilt, it will probably harm his opportunity for parole. he just got a letter from Brian Murtaugh. We just got, we got the additional funding for the um, DNA. And
8: I need you to- Tim start. Junkin and his partner John Moffett are the latest in a long line of lawyers who've been enlisted without pay to continue McDonald's fight. The whole
4: government case is a house of cards.
8: In the years following the trial, using the Freedom of Information Act, new evidence was discovered in the government files that had never seen the light of day.
7: There was wax found in places in the apartment that didn't match any of the candles found in the McDonald apartment. There was skin under the fingernail of Colette McDonald that was not turned over to the defense lawyer. Black wool fibers found on the bloody murder weapon which the government, despite all its efforts, couldn't match to any fabrics in the McDonald apartment.
8: And one piece of evidence in particular seemed to be the needle in the haystack McDonald had been desperately searching for. There was a blonde
7: 22-inch wig hair or wig hairs found at the scene that the
8: defense attorneys were never told about. It's a synthetic hair they say is too long to match any of the children's dolls in the house, and therefore could only have come from a wig. Was it Helena Stokely's wig? It's evidence that
7: clearly relates to McDonald's innocence, that supports his innocence, and the jury never heard about it. I'm innocent
4: of the charges and have always been innocent.
8: More appeals were filed based on this newfound information. In fact, McDonald's case has been appealed to the United States Supreme Court more than any other in history. But as far as the courts were concerned, one hair and a few fibers were not enough to get McDonald a new trial. You can't keep lying
4: forever. You can't keep saying something is black when it's white.
8: In May of 2005, with his appeals exhausted, Jeffrey McDonald, with his wife by his side, finally met the parole board.
5: I was seated at the end of this long table. I got to look straight and direct at him.
8: Robert Stevenson, represented his sister's family at the hearing.
5: I said to him, my joy in you, Mr. McDonald, is that you are the complete sociopath that you are and that you're never going to admit what you did and that I'm gonna have the pleasure of knowing that you're gonna stay here in rotten jail for the rest of your life. You despise Jeffrey McDonald? Beyond comprehension.
8: Also at the hearing, a voice Jeffrey McDonald probably assumed he would never hear again.
6: McDonald has never shown any remorse. In
5: 1989, Fred Kassab, my stepfather, had made a tape knowing that he was in ill health and might not survive too long.
6: I want to be sure that he serves out his sentence the way it should be served out. I don't want him walking around the streets.
8: Once again, Freddie Kassab's efforts would help keep Jeffrey McDonald behind bars. The board's official decision? Parole denied. But Jeffrey McDonald is not beaten yet, and maybe never will be. In January 2006, a federal court of appeals granted a motion filed by McDonald's attorneys to present new evidence. Testimony from retired US Marshal Jim Britt, who claims that he was there in 1979 when Helena Stokely told prosecutors that she was involved in the murder of McDonald's family. He heard. Helena Stokely tells Jim Blackburn that
7: she had been inside the McDonald apartment, that they were there to acquire drugs, and then specifically and emphatically remembers Jim Blackburn saying to her, if you testify to
8: the things that you've just told me, I will indict you for first-degree murder. And once on the stand, Stokely indeed denied any knowledge of the McDonald murders. Did you ever threaten to prosecute Helena Stokely no. if, if she were to tell the jury that she was there? No never came up.
7: If the court accepts the testimony of Marshall Britt as true then
8: James Blackburn committed a fraud on the court. A stunning accusation and McDonald's lawyers charge that Blackburn's own history gives it credibility. In 1993 Jim Blackburn working as a defense attorney pled guilty to charges unrelated to the McDonald case charges of embezzlement and fraud. He resigned his law license and served three months in state prison. So if
7: the system works correctly, all of this evidence taken together, I think, uh, um, should entitle Jeff McDonald to a new trial.
4: We're at a point in this case now where I think there's a a legitimate possibility that I will be winning this case. And I think that uh, there will be a time in the hopefully fairly near future where I can begin really rebuilding a life with Catherine.
10: He just continues to fight very methodically, very thoughtfully, but very patiently. And that's how we go about our lives until that day, you know, happens. But I know that it will.
5: I know that he'll be back, and he'll be back. That's why when someone said to me the other day, will this ever end? Sure. It'll end for me when I'm dead, or he's dead. you believe that
8: one day you'll leave prison? Yes. How sure are you of that?
4: Oh, I'm sure of that. I'm positive of that. I've never wavered on that. I've had bad days, bleak moments. <sighs> but I'm sure of that.
1: In 2020, citing poor health, Jeffrey McDonald applied for compassionate release. His request was denied, and he is appealing that ruling.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey.
15: Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment.